That's the question we're answering during uh, the series that we're in, in the month of February. Happy Valentine's Day to you today. My name's Scott. I serve as one of the pastors here. I have a, a routine I go through on Sunday mornings when I get here. I, I get my notes and get them printed off, and I walk uh, over here, and there's a, a lady in our first service named Miss Kathleen. Miss Kathleen sits in a wheelchair, and she greets people over here at this door, and Miss Kathleen's 92. And so I, I walk by her, I give her a hug and a kiss every week and uh, tell her how beautiful she looks. And then I come in, I get my notes and I do my thing and, and come over here. And I walk by today and I said, Miss Kathleen, I said, I would, uh, if I didn't already have a Valentine, I would ask you to be my Valentine. And so Miss Kathleen said, well, I wouldn't want to break apart your home. So, uh, <laughs> so happy Valentine's Day to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're in this series, and we're talking about being awake. We're talking about living an awake life. Uh, when you're awake, you're aware. You're aware of you. You're aware of God. You're aware of the needs in the world. And if you were here last week, you know, we talked to you. I talked to you about uh, hearing what the voice from heaven says about you. And what I said last week is that the, what the voice says about you is that you are the beloved. Now, <clears throat> Here's what I, I know, as I know that we often forget. So today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about what that means exactly. I know that I forget. I know that you forget. And if I hadn't just reminded you what I talked about last week, you probably would have said, what did you say last week? I mean, I, I remember something, and then I went, went to lunch. And I don't, I don't remember much beyond that. Um, here, here's what I'm, I'm trying to get at this morning. Jesus has this encounter in the Gospel of John with a woman, uh, what's known as the Samaritan woman. Jesus goes out of his way through the region of Samaria. In that day, Jews and Samaritans hated each other. It was a racial, ethnic thing. And Jesus goes out of his way to the people that his people hated. And he stops at this well, and he's getting water, and a woman comes out who's uh, obviously an outcast. She's um, ostracized from the other women. She, what they would have done in that day is the women would have gotten the water for the day for the family in a big jar. And she's standing there, and she, uh, Jesus asks for a drink, and they have this interchange, and Jesus ends up saying to her, listen, if you drink this water, you'll be thirsty again. But if you drink the water that I have to give to you, it will become inside of you a spring that wells up for eternal life. So what he's doing is he's offering her something that's going to satisfy her thirst temporarily or something that could come from the inside of her, from the inside out, and completely revolutionize her experience. In other words, he's saying, listen, you can have an external source that gives you some of what you need, or you could choose to have something that comes from the inside out and changes who you are completely. Now, what am I, what am I trying to say? It's, it's the difference between a drink and a spring in terms of your relationship with God. Now, here, here, what do I mean when I'm, we're talking about, you know, you're the beloved. What, what, do we, what in the world do I mean by that? Well, if you're taking just a drink of that, what you do it's like, think about it, the summer's going to come, and I promise all this cold stuff's going to go away, and you're going to be outside mowing the lawn or, or doing something, and you're going to be hot. And what's going to sound great when you're hot is you're going to want a big glass of iced tea with ice in it, and it's ice cold. That's why they call it iced tea, right? And you're going to drink it, right? Just, you're going to go, oh, I love this, this drink of iced tea. But you're going to take that drink, and then you're going to get hot again, and then you're going to get thirsty again. 
This is kind of a metaphor for your relationship with God. You can, you can go, mm, I'm going to have me a nice big tall glass of I'm the beloved iced tea. Oh, that's delicious. <laughs> but then you get thirsty again. Later you go, oh, well, i got to get another drink, or i got to go listen to another song, or i got to hear someone else speak about it. Or you could just take the drink, and one more drink, and one more drink, and one more drink. Or what you could do is you could find out that in your soul can be, be a spring of belovedness that's always there refreshing your soul. It's the difference between taking a drink or having a spring. It's the difference between clawing your way through life or having inner strength. It's the difference between having no core and having a solid core. Which one do you want? So before we jump into this, I want us to pray. Now, if you're a guest, I'm so thrilled that you're here today. You picked a great day to be here. Uh, But often we'll pray and we'll pray together out loud, and I encourage people to pray certain words. Now, I don't always do this, and I'm not trying to control how people pray, but I want to offer you a prayer that you can pray um, to receive what we're going to talk about today. So if you would, would you pray with me? I'm going to give you a word, and you just just say it back, and this will be our prayer collectively together. You ready for that? Okay, ready? Here we go. We're going to pray this. You you just repeat after me. Father, change my mild interest that always keeps me looking for something else into deep longing that helps me find your spring today. Well, this scene from the life of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, and again in 2016, we're going all the way through the gospel of Matthew, this scene about Jesus being baptized and what the voice from heaven says about Jesus, we're meant to understand that it's the place that Jesus finds his inner strength. Now, if you were here last week, we talked about how what's true of Jesus because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and rising again from the dead is now true of us, that there's this exchange that happens. If you remember, we had a a thing up here and my friend Brian came up and he had a list that he wrote things down and he got rid of that. And then we gave him a, a, a check for $500 and he couldn't believe it. I asked him if I could share this because this morning he came up to me and he said, you just won't believe. Now, you need to know last Sunday, I didn't have in my brain who that was going to be. I walked in and I felt like, man, we needed to do this. And uh, I didn't know who that person was going to be. And I thought, okay, God, you have to bring someone, obviously. I didn't even know why it was $500. And so Brian comes up, we give it to him. And and if you were here, you saw him and he just couldn't believe it. And he looked at the check. I kept thinking about this week. I was like, why are you looking at the check so many times? What's the deal with that? And uh, he told me this morning, he said, well, you didn't know. He said, my wife was in an accident not long ago, a few weeks, uh, a week or so ago, was it? Yeah. And she was T-boned. And uh, I asked for his permission to tell this. And we had a $500 deductible, and we didn't know how we were going to pay it. I did not know that. Now, that, to me, that's, a, that's proof there's God, right? Okay, maybe you don't see it that way. I, I see it that way. I see those kinds of coincidences happen all the time. But it's this exchange, right? When whatever's true of Jesus is true of us. It's said about us. But I'm not entirely sure that we think we can actually figure out who we are. We, we, we really wrestle with this. I took my kids to see Kung Fu Panda on Friday night. And uh, if you're a fan of that, it's just a martial art thing. It's this lovable panda named Poe, voiced by Jack Black. And um, in it, he always wrestles in all the movies. He has this question. He kind of goes like, who am I exactly? And in the end, he's the guy who kicks the butt of the bad guy, right? That's who he is. But uh, he, uh, he is questioning, you know, can I figure out who I am? And we're, it's meant to reflect the fact that we're not quite sure we can figure out who we are. Well, the message from Jesus is that you can know who you are because what's true of Jesus 
is true of you. You can have a solid core. Uh, Pastor Rich, who was up here earlier, was telling you about family ministry. Um, if you were here the first Sunday in January, he talked to you about how he's working out and he's uh, been lifting weights and, and uh, every day, and he's lost like 20, 25 pounds. And uh, one of our students, Paul Stitt, uh, who's a junior at Portage High School, Paul's going to come up right now, uh, is a runner. And um, he's been on Rich to run and had this interchange with Rich this week. And I wanted you to hear what he had to say about a core. So you're, you're a student, right, at Portage High School? Turn this way so they can see you because they, they want to see your face. Oh, <laughs> uh, there you go. And uh, so you run. You're a cross-country runner. What distances do you run? Uh, I race from a mile to 3.1 miles. 3.1, so 5K. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you, you not only run by working out, but you also, you also lift weights, right? Right. And, and what's, what do you focus on the most? Uh, we mostly focus on our core, our abs. On your abs? Do you mm -hmm. have a six-pack? Is that, is that close? No, close. Okay, all right. Uh, so you, uh, so that, that's really important. And you were talking to Rich the other day, and he was telling you how he ran, and you've been on him for that, and he ran for 30 minutes. And um, what did you say to him? And he said, I'm not even tired. And what did you say to him? So I asked him uh, if at the Y he had been working out um, his core. And when he said yes, I said, that's why, because uh, if a strong... Um, long-distance runner will normally have a strong core because it helps with your breathing. And it enables you to go the distance, right? Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Paul. Let's say thanks to him, yeah? <laughs> now, that's, that's what we're talking about, right? You have a strong core, you can go the distance. No strong core, you can't go the distance. Now, why, why is this important? Well, we, we forget this. Uh, I've never publicly told a story of something that happened to me about 20 years ago. I've shared it with a, people, a few people here and there about something that was really hurtful to me. The first place that I served a, a church, I was a youth pastor at a church, I won't even name the city, and I, for a number of reasons, have never told the story publicly. I don't want to shame anyone. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. Uh, but right out of college, I went to a church about our size, maybe a little larger, uh, with, uh, to be their student pastor, I mean, in other words, to work with the teenagers, and there were about 150 teenagers, and I was a 23-year-old. And I went there, I got married, uh, my wife and I got married in September, I went there uh, just a few days before the wedding and got settled, and when I left school, when I left college, uh, what I owned to my name, uh, and I'm pretty sure it's why my wife married me, is I owned a ratty, nasty couch, and that's what I brought into our, our marriage, was this natty, ra uh, nasty, ratty couch, and I think we had a card table, didn't we have a green card table? Yeah, sure. We had a green card table, and my dad, for a wedding gift, had bought us a bed so we'd actually not have to sleep on the floor, which we appreciated. And so that's what we had going into this place, and so we moved there, and, and they, uh, like when a staff comes to a church, they paid the, you know, like, I think $150 to rent a pickup truck to drive the thing from the one town to the other. Uh, I got there, and um, there were a lot of circumstances that I just didn't know about, some things happening behind the scenes that I just wasn't aware of, and as a 23-year-old, was just ignorant of all the dynamics of what happens in a, an organization like that. And about three months into being there, of 150 of these kids, uh, 35 or so families left our church, and they said, we're leaving our church because of the youth ministry. I'm 23. I took it personally. Uh, I didn't have it happen every week, but by the time I, I ended there, the guy who was the lead pastor, he died actually a couple of years ago. It's one of the reasons I haven't said anything publicly about it. And um, I just really wasn't treated fairly. If I told you what they paid me, it was below the poverty line. 
uh, when I, my, and at Thanksgiving of that year, we went to, uh, her, my mother-in-law found us a kitchen table, so we'd have a real table, and a couple other little pieces of furniture, so we'd have something to furnish our apartment with, and we drove to where my mother-in-law lives in Iowa and rented a truck and brought it back, and I brought the receipt in with, you know, a few hundred dollars more of moving expenses, and they said, no, I'm sorry, we've already paid your moving expenses. I found out when I left that one of the reasons I got hired is because I was cheap. And, and, and you know, when you're young, you are cheap, right? Uh, I, I get that. But it was like a slap in the face because it just was one failure after another. In fact, I got to the point where every Sunday night I would have a migraine headache. Now, if you know what a migraine is, you're sensitive to sound, you're sensitive to light, you're sensitive to smell, and usually you throw up and, and every Sunday night. And then it'd be several nights throughout the week. I had a gnawing pit in my stomach. And I was... There's just no other word for it. I was just a failure. Completely did not succeed when people were counting on me. And, and very honestly, it hurt me so deeply. It was such a painful reality for me. I just didn't even know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know who to turn to. And, and honestly, what had happened to me is I developed a, a protective shell, and it took me about 10 years to come out of that shell. If you were here last year, I told you that in 2015, I was like, okay, because every year I go, okay, God, you're going to have to help me correct something in my, in my life and in my character, and, and last year it was sarcasm, and I'm, I'm doing a lot better at it, but honestly, I'd built up sarcasm as a protective shell because I never wanted to get hurt like that again. I never wanted to feel like a failure like that again. I never wanted to feel like I was, I was nobody. My identity was not as the beloved. You know what my identity was? Somebody who got hurt. Somebody who was in pain. And didn't know what to do with the pain. My, see, my core was not strong enough. I, I didn't, I was just getting drinks from things. I didn't have a spring of living water. I just, I was, I was a failure. And it took me, honestly, years to find the spring. And so what I hope this morning is if I could spare you some of that kind of pain. And today you could find the spring. Man, I, I would feel like we did something significant this morning. Now, there are three things that were said to Jesus in his baptism that are said to you, and we talked about it last week a bit, but I want to delve into the depths of what they mean. Uh, because you have, to, you have to claim these things. If you don't claim these things, they'll never become true in your life. They'll never become a part of who you are. And you'll always experience God in drips and drops, and you'll wonder why you never quite get it if you don't claim these things. Because here's, I'll say it to you like this. Your identity is given to you by your Heavenly Father, not earned by your performance. Now, we don't believe that. That's nice, those are nice words, but we don't actually believe that. But there's these three things that are said to you, and they have to sink in. So let me walk you through them one by one. Here's the first thing that's said. This is my son. And you might say, well, why is that so revolutionary? What's the big deal with that? And he's just saying, well, it's what he's not saying. He's not saying, listen, you're, you're my employee. You're my friend. You're my contractor. You're my apprentice. You're my hired hand who comes and stands on the edge of the family and better show up on time or they're going to lose their job. No, you're my son. So this is, this is language of belonging. It's another way of saying, you belong to me. You're mine. Whenever I pick my kids up from school, I watch all these kids come out, you know, and I watch all these kids, and they, they belong to somebody else. But when I see my kids, when I see my son, I say, that's my son. You belong to me. You're mine. I instantly know that that kid belongs to me. Because here, here's, we twist this thing and we think you know, our identity is earned by our performance and there are no free lunches we all know that so it can't possibly be given to us by our heavenly father i'll give you two examples from the bible the apostle paul he writes to some christians in in galatia ancient turkey 
And this is what he says. We'll put it on the screen. It's, it's a little longer, but I, I need you to hear it because it's so important. He says, before we understood, we were to just drink drinks, and we didn't have a, an understanding that we had inner strength and, and that we had a spring that could be in us. We were just like slaves, ordered around by simple instructions with no say in the conduct of our own lives. But the time arrived that was set by God the Father. God sent his Son, born among us as a woman, of a woman, born under the conditions of the law so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Listen, this is really important. Thus, we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. Are you doing that? You can tell for sure that you are now fully adopted as his own children because God sent the spirit of his son into our lives, crying out, Papa, Father. Doesn't that privilege of intimate conversation with God make it plain that you are not a slave but a child? And if you're a child, you're also an heir with complete access to the inheritance. See, this is how we we think of ourselves. I'm a hired hand or I'm a slave. I'm an outsider. I don't belong. But you belong. When God says that you're a son or you're a daughter, it means that you belong. I'll give you another example from the Bible. The Old Testament, one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite books is the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel and the lion's den. Maybe if you are familiar, you've ever heard that story. Uh, also in the book of Daniel, it's the record of the people of Israel being taken uh, captive by the Babylonian Empire. That was the superpower of the day. And Nebuchadnezzar was the king, and he took the best and brightest off and, and moved them to Babylon to change their identity. And along with Daniel being carted off to Babylon, three other guys were carted off. Their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You may say, well, I've never heard of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Maybe you've heard of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Do you know this story? Maybe you could read it in Daniel later this afternoon. As the king sets up a a statue and he orders everyone to pray and these three young Israelite men who worship God say, we won't worship someone other than God. And so the king's so mad, he says, heat up the furnace and seven times hotter than usual and throw them in. And he throws them in, bound. And then he looks in, they're not dying, they're walking. And he says, I see a fourth man, like a son of the gods. And they come out and it changes everything. Well, see, their names, when they got there, were changed. See, they knew that if they could change their name, they could change their identity. So they, they walk into Babylon and they say, no, your name's not that anymore. Your name's not any of the things that you thought. Your name's something different. Here, here's what I'm trying to say to you. The powers around you will always come to you and try to rename you. They'll try to steal your identity and tell you that what God said is not true. You're not a son. You're a hired hand. You're an orphan. Those are the things that'll tell you. But you're, here's, the, here's the truth about you, that you're a son, that you're a daughter. So if you're a failure, see, I, I wake up in the morning now, and I know that I'm a son. I wake up in the morning, and I go, I'm a son. Man, I'm, I'm loved by my father. And if I fail, you know what I say? I'm a son. And if I'm devastated by what someone said to me, I'm a son. And if I'm frustrated or hurt by what someone said to me, I say, I'm a son. Or if someone puts me down or yells at me, I say, I'm a son. I'm a, yes, that's different than the other voices that t- try and rename me and try and tell me, you're a failure. You're this, you're that, you're... See, I'm not those things anymore. I'm a son. I'm, an, I'm a son. So if the world were to crumble around you, you were to lose your job, and your finances were to go in the toilet, do you know what you'd wake up in the morning as if you understand the truth about you? You would still be a son or a daughter. You would still belong. You're not defined by any of those other things. See, you get that. You get that. That means you've got a spring inside of you. You're not just taking a drink. 
Now, they tell you when you learn to communicate publicly and, and preach, they say, listen, you always got to answer the question, so what? Because everyone's sitting there listening to you say the words you're going to say, and they're all thinking in their head in some, in some way, so what? Well, so what? What's the so what about this? Well, here's the so what. That means God wants to be close to you. I would be devastated if my, my sons, if they, someone asked them in a couple of years now, do you, uh, do you believe when they're a little older and they can choose to be around me and, or not? If they said, you know, if someone said to them, do you believe your dad exists? And they say, well, yeah, my dad exists. I, I know my dad exists. Here's three reasons why my dad exists. I'd be devastated if they gave reasons and, and proofs as to why I existed, but they were never close to me and never spent any time to me. If you're a dad, your heart would break if your kids just believed in you but didn't want to be around you. Now listen, what am I saying to you? I'm saying, do you think God just wants you to believe in him? And have ideas about that he exists? Or do you think he wants you to accept the fact that you're a son? Or that you're a daughter and he wants to be close to you? Listen, I, I, I think the, the devil doesn't care how strongly you believe in God. How many times you post on Facebook? How many ar arguments you get in with people about the, about the fact that God exists? As long as you never claim your sonship or daughtership, he doesn't care. Because you're missing the whole point. That you're a son. That you're a son. See, when you live like a son or a daughter... See, that's a spring. That's a spring inside of you that wells up to eternal life. So you're a son. The second thing that gets said is who I love. Now, this is, this is a mushy word, right? We say love for so many different things. But the ancients, they had a different way of, of seeing this, and they understood there were different levels to love. One of, the, one of the ways that love got talked about in ancient times was that you could love someone from your feelings. It's the Greek word eros, which is where we get the word erotic means a strong emotion, right? You, f you love someone because you feel something really good about them, and most people build relationships on this kind of love. Well, I feel it, and when I stop feeling it, I guess I don't love you anymore, and that's a bit confusion about what love means. Or you can love someone because you share common interests. Um, you can love someone because you're friends. That's the, the Greek word uh, phileo, which was, we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Or you can love someone, period. You can go, I love you, period. Like when I marry couples, I say, listen, there's different kinds of love, different things to start love. We said, but you're making the decision to say, I love you, period. I may not like you today, but I love you, period. I love you, period. So this is how Paul says it. Yeah, this is how, the, the, actually, the, uh, John says it in 1 John chapter 3. He says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Read that last that thing in bold right there. And that is what we are. One more time. And that is what we are. Now, does this, is this he saying God loves us? How great is the love? How great are the feelings that God has for us that are temporary? No. Is he saying, well, you know, God, God is, understands that you have common interests and you want to be a spiritual person, so he's decided to love you? No. Is it that you've decided to be a friend with God and change your life and, and, and read the Bible and pray and go to church? Is, is that it? No. See how great the love that God loves us, period, the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. Listen to me. God doesn't tolerate you. God doesn't put up with you. God loves you. You know the value of something by what you're willing to pay for it. Do you know what God paid for you? Paid with his own life on a cross. He's you're so valuable to him. He doesn't just tolerate you. Well, what's the so what? Well, I'll tell you what the so what is. The so what is, is this time for you to have a deeper relationship with God? It's time, for you, it's time for you to not stop taking little drinks. 
It's time for you to go, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not just going to love God with my feelings, or I'm not going to love God because, you know, I happen to think that spirituality is a good thing, or I'm not going to love it because my, love God because my friends do. I'm going to love God. He loves me, period. I'm going to learn to love him, period. I'm going to learn to return it. Now listen, I'm talking about a personal God. I'm talking about, maybe you've heard this, right? People will talk about the universe, and they'll say that the universe guided me. Or the universe sent me a message. Now, I think that's a really interesting way to think about things. And if you believe that, okay, you're tapping into the thing that we all have, that we want something bigger than us. But how is it that the sun gets together with the other suns and sends us a message? How, how, I think the only thing the sun sends to us is sunburn, okay? <laughs> if you can believe in an impersonal universe somehow guiding your path... Couldn't you also believe in a personal God who made you and created you and wanted you and loves you and doesn't just tolerate you guiding your life? Couldn't you, couldn't you believe in that? Listen, you think the love of God, see, if you want to take a drink, you'll, you'll think the love of God has limits for you and it's earned by your good behavior. If you were here a couple years ago, um, we came in and I, I did this illustration. I, we handed out gold stars to some people. Remember the thing in, in grade school when you'd get a, you'd do a good job, you get a gold star and most of us live a gold star kind of relationship toward God. Like, I got enough gold stars, God. I'm, I'm, you like me. So that's, that's how you take a drink. If you want to have a spring, you let God love you. And you wake up in the morning and you receive the love of your father for you for the day. You say, oh, God, thank you. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. And you love me. Thank you. That's what's true. I don't care what the other voices say about me today. That's the truth. That's the real thing. Then this is the third thing that gets said. With him I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen, we live in a world of not good enough, don't we? Think about the number, I, I don't know how many millions of dollars it's got to be, but the industry uh, for having a six-pack of abs, right? You just go home today and you watch, flip the channels, you'll find some new device that if you buy it in 15 minutes a day, you can look like the model on TV who works out for six hours a day, right? We're taught dissatisfaction, like we're not good enough, we're not pleased, and so either you had a parent, or you had a teacher, or you had some religious leader, or some pastor, or nun, or father, or priest, or whatever, who you somehow got the message that you weren't enough, that you had to do it a little bit better, and if you did it a little bit better, then they'd be pleased with you, and so you somehow think that God has the same view of you, right? That God looks at you, and he's like, ah, oh, just so disappointed in who you became, I just wish you'd done a little bit better. I wish you'd been a little bit more. And so it's not pleasure that we see from God. It's disappointment. It's shame. See, this is, this is what shame is. shame is. Shame is the thing that causes people to, to bow their heads and go, I'm just not enough. I'm just dis a, this disappointment. I, I guess I'll just never get it right, and they keep, you keep your head down. This is what the psalmist said, though. He said, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. In fact, in other places, the psalmist says that God is the lifter of our head. Well, what's that mean? It means that when our head is down and we feel shame and we feel disappointment, God doesn't come and go, yes, that's right, keep your head down, you screwed up. You know what he does? Like a dad, like, a, like an Abba daddy. He takes our chin and he lifts it up and he says, no, no, you're my son. I love you. I'm pleased in you. See, you got to get this. This has got to go down into your soul or you just always take drinks and you'll never have a spring. See, I, I found the spring. I'm not telling you I'm perfect. I just found the spring. I don't have the tapes that play for 10 years of my life saying you're a failure. I don't have that anymore. 
See, you can make a choice today. See, you can, you can live with the options. Or you can live as a son who's loved and is pleasing. You can, you, can, you can, because Jesus on the cross paid the price for you, you can live that way. It's true of Jesus. Now it's true of me too. It can become the core of who you are. It can become the source of inner strength. Or you can just say, I'm, well, I'm going to live like a, a, an orphan or a hired hand and I'm going to be tolerated and I'm going to be a source of shame and disappointment. But that's not the God, don't, don't mistake, that's not Christianity. If you think that's the message of Christianity, you missed it, right? The message from Jesus is that you are a son, you are a daughter, you are loved, you are pleasing. Not from anything that you've done. So do you want to take a drink or do you want to spring? Do you want to claw your way through life? Or do you want to have inner strength? Listen, once you know that God loves and accepts you and it ha- is for you and is pleased with you because of all that Jesus has done, you can actually work on your junk. And if someone else doesn't like you, guess what? It doesn't rock your world. If things fall apart, you don't fall apart. Why? Because you've got a source of inner strength. You've got a spring on the inside that's welling up inside of you for eternal life. You want that? You can have that. See, because when, when Jesus, when Paul uses the word and Jesus uses the word, he says, he says we, we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is not a word we use. I mean, it's a band, I know, but... <laughs> Right? If you were to go to Jerusalem today and you were to go to a grocery store and you were to find, a, you got to think about a dad with a little kid. And you were to find a little boy and he's, he's lost his way down the aisle and you, would, you know what you hear him say looking for his dad? He'd go, Abba! Abba! If, that, if that's in your heart and you go, oh, Abba, I want that. Then it can change for you and you can have a spring. Well, I want to pray. But I want you to pray. I want to invite you to stand with me if you would. And uh, do this, right? Hold out your hands. Don't walk out of here taking a drink. Receive the spring. Let me pray for you, all right? God, we hear voices that tell us other things. We hear voices that tell us that we're a hired hand. We hear voices that say, "Ah, you're just tolerated. God just puts up with you. You're just a mess. We hear voices that say uh, that we're nobody. You're not pleased, you're disappointed, you're, you're ashamed of us. God, we don't want to believe those lies anymore. We want to believe the truth. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid everything on the cross for us. That, so now what's said of you is said of, can be said of us, that we're your son, we're your daughter, you love us, you're pleased in us. We want that to sink down into our soul the way you meant it to and become a spring that wells up with eternal life that not only feeds our soul but can feed other people's souls. So we want to be those people. So we receive from you right now our sonship and our daughtership. We receive the fact that we belong to you. And we reject the lies that say that we don't. And we say thank you for this in your name, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. You're sent out to love God, love people, serve the world. If you need prayer, someone will be down front to pray with you. See ya.